welcome to the P4C podcast. We are excited to reshare with you the last 14 years of teaching through God's Word at Passion for Christ Summit. Each week, the P4C podcast delivers rich truths for your life, and we know you will be blessed. Our current series is from P4C 2015, Holiness. We now join Steve Kavanaugh for today's message. We hope you are encouraged and challenged. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 19 is the text. And while Charles read it from the uh, New King James, I will be referring to different verses there, but we'll be using the English Standard Version, the ESV. That is what I preach from on a regular basis, and uh, it is a, uh, a good translation. So uh, hopefully you'll be able to follow along if you're using King James, New King James, New American Standard, whatever. It should be plenty close enough that you won't have any trouble following along. Anglican minister and author Michael Green tells the following story. I read about a missionary candidate in language school. The very first day of class, the teacher entered the room and without saying a word, walked down every row of students. Finally, still without saying a word, she walked out of the room again. Then she came back and addressed the class. Did you notice anything special about me? She asked. Nobody could think of anything in particular. One student finally raised her hand. I noticed that you had on a very lovely perfume. The class chuckled. But the teacher said, that was exactly the point. It will be a long time before any of you will be able to speak Chinese well enough to share the gospel with anyone in China. But even before you're able to do that, you can minister the sweet fragrance of Christ to these people by the quality of your lives. That story reminds us that we are making an impact. We are, by our lives, saying something. Now, we know that the gospel is a message to be proclaimed. And people don't get saved by watching your life. But they can certainly be turned off by watching your life. They can be predisposed, perhaps, to listening when you are given the opportunity to speak the gospel if your life is a fragrant aroma, a sweet fragrance of Christ. I was reminded of this just last week. I had to have an eye exam. Um, I, it's been a couple of years since I had an eye exam checkup. And I'm finally at the point where I am giving in and I'm going to get bifocals. I've never had bifocals. I do wear glasses. I wear uh, mono lens contact lenses, one for reading and one for distance. And it works fine for me, but I'm at the point where I don't want to wear my contacts all the time. So when I'm wearing glasses, I want to be able to read and see without having to do this all the time. So anyway, I went to the eye doctor at the time for my appointment and sat and waited and sat and waited and sat and waited. And my wife was with me and she was the only person around. I grumbled a little bit, you know. But the eye doctor didn't hear that, all right? Whenever she opened the door and it was my time to go in, I was very pleasant. You know, she said, I thank you for being so patient. Um, and I didn't say anything, you know. 
I just went in, had the exam. Afterwards, it, we were in a little conversation. It came up somehow, I can't remember, that I was a pastor. She said, well, that explains it. That explains why you were so patient. And, and I thought, boy, I sure am glad she didn't hear me. <laughs> How real was that? How real am I? How much of an image bearer of Christ am I really? That's really what holiness is about. As you no doubt followed as Charles was reading that, we are to be holy because He, the one who has called us, the one who has bought us with a price, bought us with a price is holy. We are to be, we were made to image God. We were made in His image to image Him, and that's really what what holiness is really all about. As we look at this matter of how holy tonight, I want to add a little twist to it. Not just how holy, but how to be holy. What, What is it that we need to do that this passage tells us in order to grow in holiness, in order to pursue holiness? I'm going to do that using five words. I'll go ahead and give them to you now. Not because I think you're going to remember them, but or they're all that important, but maybe I'll remember them if I tell them to you now. The first one is foundation. We're going to look at the foundation of holiness. Second word is preparation. And I'll come back to each of these. Foundation, preparation. Preparation for holiness, for pursuing holiness. Third word is expectation. You're noticing a pattern. The fourth one is consecration. And the last one is motivation. Foundation, preparation, expectation, consecration, motivation. First of all, the foundation. The foundation of our holiness. In these verses, Peter reminds us as Christians that we are to live holy lives because we have been bought by Christ through His death on the cross. In verses 18 and 19. Knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. What Peter reminds us of is that we are were lost apart from Christ. This verse suggests some things regarding holiness for us as Christians. First of all, he says, refers to the time of your exile or your sojourning in this life. We're reminded that the life that we live now is not, we don't live in our real home. That this world is not our home referring to the fact that we are strangers and aliens in this world. But the second thing, he says, you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited, by your, uh, inherited from your forefathers. It refers to the fact that we are by nature sinners under the penalty of eternal death. But God has acted to redeem us or purchase us from sin through Christ. And then, of course, he says, we were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. The point here that I want to make is that the foundation for holiness is what Christ has done for us. 
The foundation for our holiness is not what we do for God, but it's what God has done for us in Christ. We can be holy because we have been made holy by Christ and in Christ. The foundation of our holiness is simply this. Holiness is first and foremost about who we are. We're people who have been paid for, as it were, by Jesus dying on the cross. So that as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 6, you are not your own, you were bought with a price. And so he adds, so glorify God in your body. Live in a way that brings glory to God. Why? Because you've been purchased, you've been bought with a price. The foundation of living a life of holiness is what God has done for us in Christ. And in Philippians 3.20, Paul reminds us, as I've already indicated, that this world is not our home. Our citizenship is in heaven. We're no longer to live in the same way that we used to, as we will see. We're no, no longer to live as everyone else does. We don't take our cue from other people. We take our cue from the Lord, what He has called us to be and made us to be. A holy life flows out of the work of Christ for us and in us, not vice versa. This is important because it is easy as Christians, as we're seeking to live a holy life, to begin to think that it is our holiness that commends us to God. It is not. What commends us to God is Christ. It is the work, the finished work of Christ on the cross we are never, ever commended to God by what we have done, but totally by what Christ has done and our trust in Him. The foundation is the work of Christ, that we've been bought for the price. The second word is preparation. This is key. For us. Peter writes in verse 13, and again I'm reading from the ESV, therefore preparing your minds for action. King James, New King James, gird up the loins of your mind. I'll come back to that in a moment. But preparing your minds for action and being sober minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Two things that Peter says we need to do in preparation for holiness, and they both involve our minds. First of all, prepare your minds for action, or as the King James says, gird up the loins of your mind. What is that about? What does it mean to gird up the loins of your mind? Well, of course, in, in Peter's day and in that day, everyone wore robes. And if you needed to, to do something that required running or moving quickly, Boy, those robes could get in the way, as, as I'm sure you ladies know when you wear dresses, right? And so they would pull up the robe, pull it up between their legs, and then tie it. They would gird it up so then they could move quickly, so they could be ready for action. And Peter says that's what we need to do in our minds. We need to prepare our minds for action. Why? Because holiness while it's founded on the work of Christ in, in action, in practical holiness, it begins in your mind. The battle really often is won or lost in your minds. Prepare your minds for action. 
How do we do that? How do we prepare our minds for action? I don't want to trample on Daniel's text, but it involves the Word of God. It involves filling our minds, feeding our minds on the Word of God. We only have one instrument, one weapon in our spiritual arsenal to fight the world's onslaught towards our minds. And that's the Word of God. We need to fill our minds with the Word of God, with the Scriptures. Occasionally, I will encourage someone and help someone to, uh, to know what it means to hide God's Word in your heart, to, to memorize God's Word. A few years ago, I had the opportunity to speak to a men's prayer breakfast at another church. And just recently, uh, a guy came up to me in a Panera restaurant. I was there to, to meet someone else. This guy came up to me and he said, aren't you the pastor of Reynoldsburg Baptist Church? Yeah, and didn't you speak at such and such a church? Yeah, well, you, really, you talked about the importance of hiding God's Word in your mind, in your heart. And I really took that to heart. And I've been doing that. And that has made such a difference in my life, in helping me to live a holy life. We, meet, we need to prepare our minds for action by knowing God's Word, by reading God's Word, by studying God's Word, by memorizing God's Word, by meditating on God's Word. We need to feed or fuel our minds. But then, Peter says, another step in preparing and our preparation for holiness is New King James. King James says, be sober. ESV says, being sober-minded. Sober-minded. What does it mean to be sober-minded? Well, what does it mean to be not sober, generally? What does it mean drunk? What does it mean to be drunk, to be intoxicated? It means that you're really not in control, right? It means that you're really not in a good frame of mind. You're not in your right mind. John MacArthur writes this about being mentally or spiritually intoxicated. He writes, Peter's phrase commands his audience to keep sober in spirit, literally meaning not to become intoxicated, which is to lose control by imbibing the world's sinful system. It connotes the entire realm of spiritual steadfastness or self-control, having clarity of mind and discipline of heart, being in charge of one's priorities and balancing one's life so as not to be subject to the controlling and corrupting influence of the flesh's allurements. Let me read that again. It connotes the entire realm of spiritual steadfastness or self-control, having clarity of mind and discipline of heart, being in charge of one's priorities and balancing one's life so as not to be subject to the controlling and corrupting influence of the flesh's allurements. We need to not only fuel or feed our minds, we need to guard our minds. We need to guard our minds. We need to not become intoxicated with the world's 
allurements, with the world's promises. Hey, this will satisfy. This is fun. This will give you a good life. Hey, how about just a little bit of this? And oftentimes it starts small. But then one step of lowering our guard in terms of our mind leads to another and then to another. Just this week, earlier this week, on Monday, I had the opportunity to visit a fellow who grew up in the uh, town that I used to pastor in in western Pennsylvania. This fellow, young man, about the age of many of you, in his early 30s. And he, he played with my kids when they were kids. He would love to be here tonight with you. But he can't be. Because in order to see him, in order to visit him, you have to go through a gate with razor wire. And then another gate with razor wire. You have to be searched. You have to be, go through uh, security. He, he's in a federal prison for 15 years. Because of something that started small with his computer letting his guard down. And before long, he was no longer in control of his mind. He was no longer sober-minded. And he will spend the next ten or so years in a federal prison. That's, I realize that's an extreme, but I want you to know, he never thought he would be there. He never planned to be there. This is a guy who doesn't do drugs. This is a guy who doesn't drink, who doesn't smoke, who doesn't do a lot of the things that we consider people wind up in prison. He's not violent. He's a nice guy, great personality, intelligent. But he let the world get a hold of his mind. And he did some things that were illegal. We prepare to be holy by feeding our minds, by guarding our minds. The mind is where the battle begins. And in many ways, it is won or lost. It's where it is. If we win the battle for our minds, we have gone a long way in winning the battle for holiness, for a holy life. The third word is expectation. In addition to foundation and preparation, there's expectation. Peter writes, preparing your mind for action, verse 13, and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter's calling us to stay focused on eternal things. The grace that will be brought of the revelation of Jesus Christ is another way of referring to the further store of undeserved blessings which God will pour out on us when Christ returns. As good as the blessings are that we have in this life, and especially the blessings that we have already experienced in Christ, there is more, much more to come. Peter in 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 9, 
praises God for the blessings that we have in Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ according to His great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to be to result in praise and glory and honor, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Through, though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I mean, just blessing after blessing after blessing that he mentions there. But what does he say in verse 13? There's more to come. It gets better. And Peter says, that's where your hope needs to be. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Our hope must not be set on this world and its false promises or we will be terribly disappointed or worse. If we are going to live faithfully in this world, our expectation, our hope must be fully set on the next world. Because if our hope is on this world, we will be shaped by this world. We will become like this world. Thank you for joining us this week. If you have questions about P4C, visit our website at p4csummit.org. Or you can email us at info at p4csummit.org. We hope you can join us next week on the P4C podcast as we listen to part two of this message. May God bless you as you seek to passionately live for his glory each and every day.